word was relayed among the soldiers that General Kutuzov was arriving for the inspection, and the troops became still at the call of attention, or in their language, Smyrna. Just then, along comes a high Viennese carriage, light blue in color and being pulled by six horses. It is escorted by a group of Croatian horsemen. This is an interesting detail, as the Austrian-Hungarian Empire can be thought of as a precursor to what we understand as the European Union, where the Austrians administered territories that were made up of various ethnicities. Fast-forwarding to the early 20th century, it was a Serbian who played a critical role in the destruction of the last vestiges of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, with the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. Anyway, in 1805, the highest levels of the Austrian military were very comfortable in having a Croatian escort, and inside that important carriage was General Kutuzov and his Austrian counterpart. As they stepped out, the Austrian general wore white and Kutuzov black, making quite the contrast. The two nonchalantly made their way to inspect the 2,000 men who had recently arrived and who were under Kutuzov's command. Kutuzov's mid-level commanders were naturally quite deferential, and upon seeing him, had all the underlings yell out, Long life to your excellency! Kutuzov, as he walked the lines, was not arrogant or aloof. He recognized and looked at his soldiers as men, not cogs in a machine, to be dispensed with as cannon fodder. Every so often he would step up to a soldier, and he would exchange a friendly word or two. Within clear earshot of the Austrian general, he pointed out the atrocious state of his soldier's boots. The clear message was this was not right that his men had walked hundreds of miles, and this lack of reinforcement or resupply was insulting. It's clear that Tolstoy holds a deep respect for Kutuzov. He points out that just a glance from such a man can convey all the information that needs to be transmitted. Now behind General Kutuzov walked Andrei Belkonsky and some other members of his personal staff, but Andrei was closest. One of these other officers is Nevetsky. Nevetsky was getting something of a cheap laugh while watching one of the Hussar soldiers walk in something of a funny manner. Eventually, General Kutuzov reaches someone he recognizes from Russia's previous Turkish campaigns. His name is Timokhin, and he's now a captain. He was one of those severely stressed in the last chapter about Dolokhov's miscolored overcoat. He gave his old friend a quick greeting, but realized the interlude was stressing Timokhin, so quickly left. Kutuzov then briefly discusses Timokhin's performance with one of the commanding officers. Here Kutuzov is going out of his way to say that his old friend is a good man. The general begins by calling attention to Timokhin's past bravery and asks, how's he doing? Perhaps because of that favorable introduction, the commanding officer notes he's highly satisfied. Kutuzov explains that they had served and fought together during the siege of Ishmael. The action Kutuzov is speaking of involved the siege of a fortress on the north of the Black Sea. In a city on the Danube, not so far from Odessa, 
in what today is southwestern Ukraine. Tolstoy is bringing it up because the fortress was viewed by the Ottomans as impregnable, but it was taken in ominously symbolic loss because the Ottomans eventually left all their possessions north of the Black Sea. It was also a particularly brutal siege as after the fort was taken there was said to be a three-day rampage, an uncontrolled massacre of tens of thousands, possibly 40,000 defeated Muslims, many of whom were not soldiers. This fortress was then the capital of what they call the Ishmael Oblast or a province. Today this area is in what is called the Danube Cluster. It remains a critical strategic port for Ukraine in its defense against Russian aggression. Its history as a port city goes back to when it was built by Genoese merchants in the 12th century. And the name Ishmael or Ismael is obviously of biblical origin but also derives from one of the Ottoman leaders. It became Ottoman territory and then a protectorate starting from around 1482. Back to the story. In referencing his old colleague Timochin, Kutuzov implies that he had quite the reputation for drinking. He says, we all have our little weaknesses and notes the predilection Timochin had for Bacchus, who was the Roman deity that was associated with wine and celebration. In Hellenic mythology, that would have been Dionysus. Tolstoy is showing that he believed Kutuzov had a keen memory of individual characteristics of those he fought with and was very forgiving of all too human foibles. Prince Andrei reminds Kutuzov to speak to Dolokhov. Kutuzov then addresses the former officer who was demoted. I hope you will profit by this lesson. Do your duty. The Emperor is gracious, and I shall not forget you if you deserve well. Dolokhov, unlike Timochin, was not intimidated by the moment, and he looked at his commander with characteristic boldness. His gaze was so strong that it pierced the veil of convention, and Dolokhov says, I only ask for one favor, an opportunity to atone for my offense and prove my devotion. Soon after, Kutuzov turned away from the regiment, the inspection was effectively over, and the men broke up into companies and went to their appointed quarters. They went in search of new supplies, such as clothes and boots, and most importantly, rest. This left the mid-level officers, including Timochin, able to chat about how well the inspection came off. There was some discussion about how Dolokhov was individually addressed, and how he has been overall punctilious in his duties, but that at times his uncontrollable temper could manifest. It was noted that while the regiment was in Poland, Dolokhov nearly killed somebody with a Jewish background. This may evidence Tolstoy's impression of how free some in Russian society felt to oppress those of a Jewish background. One of the commanders who had the nickname the King of Hearts was so happy with the way things went that he ordered a round of vodka to be given to all the men a way to congratulate or placate them. With the men put at ease, they fell into a more jovial mood. They could converse freely and merrily. One speaks of how Kutuzov is blind in one eye, but can still see better than most. Some laugh at the fancy white uniforms of the Austrian officers. Others wonder about when the fighting will start. 
one of the soldiers astutely notes that when the regiment was marching westward through Poland, they were all still among the emperor's subjects, but now they were among the ethnic Germans, and there sure were tensions between the Russians and Germans. One of the drum players eventually struck up a tune, and there was singing. Much of it was praising Kutuzov. It was an old military song that was remade, something like On to Glory, being led by old Kutuzov. It was a hymn once sung in the fights with the Ottomans, and it was now used to inspire men to fight the French. An esprit de corps was developing. It was a brotherhood of men who had marched far, but had not yet entered battle. Dolokhov was among this group of happy men, and he was noticed by another, Zerkov. He was a hussar instrument player. The two ran with the same wild set in St. Petersburg, but Zerkov was the type who formally avoided Dolokhov. But once he saw Kutuzov individually address him, that changed. Dolokhov quickly sniffs out the change of heart. He remains cold and distant to the approach. They do discuss the rumor that the Austrians have been already defeated by the French. Zerkov suggests that they play cards later, but Dolokhov says that he's sworn off gambling until he is reinstated to his officer position. This chapter really explored the mundaneness and reality of soldierly life, marching for hundreds of miles, readying for an inspection, getting an extra round of vodka for good behavior, joking around with your fellow soldiers, singing songs, having a monumental moment in one's life if the commander individually addresses you in front of a large group, basically making the best of the challenging circumstances that life has thrown at you.